بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the battle of Qadisiyah and we spoke about the conclusion of that battle and how the Muslims, alhamdulillah, had a great victory after they defeated the Persian army and they killed the commander of the Persian army, Rustum the Muslims, alhamdulillah, took Al-Qadisiyah now most of the remaining soldiers of the Persian army they tried to escape, they ran away to Babylon the city of Babylon which was across the Euphrates River so they crossed the river and they tried to take refuge in Babylon in the meantime Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and the Muslim army they conquered the surrounding areas the cities surrounding Al-Qadisiyah they easily took all of those cities and then eventually they crossed the Euphrates where the soldiers had run away to they crossed the Euphrates and they went to Babylon and they fought those remaining soldiers in Babylon and within just a very short period of time within an hour or a few hours they were able to defeat those remaining soldiers and they took Babylon as well and the few soldiers who survived they ran away and the Muslims caught up with them those who ran away the Muslims caught up with them at Al-Kuthi and they killed a great number of them over there so now the Muslims, they have taken Al-Qadisiyah, they have taken the surrounding cities, they have taken Babylon, they have taken Al-Kuthi, they are taking all of these lands. And it's very easy for them. After Qadisiyah, it's easy for them to conquer the rest of these cities and the rest of these lands. There's hardly any resistance that they have to face. And whatever resistance they do face, they're able to defeat that resistance very easily. So after taking Qadisiyah and the surrounding cities, after taking Babylon, after taking Kuthi, then the Muslim army headed towards Madain. And if you remember Madain, that is the capital of the Persian Empire. That is where the Kisra lives. That is where his palace is. So once you take Madain, that's, then it's finished. Once the Muslims take Madain, that means the Muslims have completely conquered the Persian Empire and the Persian Empire has fallen. So that's the last step. So now the Muslim army under Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, they headed towards Madain. And, of course, this is where the Kisra and his palace is located. And Madain, it's an amazing city on the Tigris River. It's a big city, beautiful city. Of course, being the capital of the most powerful empire in the world at that time, of course, it's a very advanced city, right? So this city is on the Tigris River. It's on the Tigris River. And part of the city is on the west of the Tigris River and part of the city is on the east of the Tigris River and it is connected by bridges both parts of the city are, are connected by bridges similar to Istanbul today right? Istanbul the Bosphorus River goes through Istanbul and there is part of the city on one side and the other part of the city on the other side and there's a bridge that connects both sides of the city so Madain was similar to that so the Tigris River uh, basically went through the city so there's a, there was a west Madain and there's east Madain it's all one city but it is uh, connected uh, through the bridges on the Tigris River so of course the Muslims coming from Qadisiyah 
they are coming from the west. So they're first going to get to western Madain, and then they would have to cross the river and get to eastern Madain. Now, the palace of the Kisra, the palace of the Kisra was on the eastern side of Madain. It was not on the western side, it was on the eastern side of the, of the Tigris River. So the Muslims, they came first from the west side. They came from the west side. And when they came near the river, they're still on the west side, they're not on the east side, but they can see the palace of the Kisra. They can actually see across the river. They can see on the other side of the river the huge palace of the Kisra. And his palace, it was the biggest palace in the world at that time. And it was known, it was known as what? Al-Bayt Al-Abyad. What does that mean? It means the White House. The palace of the Kisra was actually known as the White House. Right? So the Muslims, they're on the west side of Madain now. And they can see across the river on the east side. They can see the White House. They can see the palace of the Kisra on that side. And they remembered the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ when they saw the palace of the Kisra. They remembered the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he prophesied that a group of Muslims will conquer this palace. There's a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said, Usaybatun min al-Muslimin yaftatihun al-bayt al-abyad, bayt kisra aw al-kisra. The Prophet ﷺ said, a group of Muslims will conquer the White House, Al-Bayt Al-Abiyat. They will conquer the White House, the house of the Kisra, the palace of the Kisra, or the family of Kisra. So when these Muslims, when they saw that within their reach, they saw it with their own eyes on the other side of the river, they remembered this hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they were, they were very excited that they were going to be those people whom the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned in this hadith. They were that Usaybah min al-Muslimin. They were that group of the Muslims who are going to conquer this palace of the Kisra. So they're very excited and they're very encouraged to continue and conquer the whole city and take the palace of the Kisra. Dhirar ibn al-Khattab, one of the soldiers on the Muslim side, when he saw the palace of the Kisra and he remembered this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Allahu Akbar. He saw it and he said, this is what Allah and His Messenger promised us and Allah and His Messenger told us the truth. Allah and His Messenger told us the truth. Allahu Akbar. So they're doing this takbir. And of course, this is a sign of the truthfulness of the Prophet wasallam, And it's a, a sign that he was truly a messenger of Allah who received revelation from Allah. He promised them that a time will come where they will conquer the Persian Empire. Even when the Prophet ﷺ had to leave Mecca and when he was on his way to Al-Madinah, the Prophet ﷺ at that time he was, he was being looked for by the Quraysh and by others. They put a price on his head that anyone who can bring us Muhammad ﷺ, dead or alive, he will have a prize of 100 camels. So the Prophet ﷺ had to leave Mecca and he was on his way to Medina. So this was a time of, of difficulty for the Prophet ﷺ and it was a time that he did not have power except the great power that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, the safety that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. But still even during this time, 
where he had to leave his own city and take refuge in another city while he was on his way and he was being chased by the kuffar one of the, the people who was chasing him he was a man named Suraqa ibn Malik and at that time he was not a Muslim but later on he accepted Islam so Suraqa ibn Malik heard of this prize by the Quraysh that the Quraysh are offering a hundred camels to have whoever brings Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam so he was able to get an idea where the Prophet was going and, and the pathway that he was taking. So to get that prize, he chased after the Prophet But every time he tried to get close to the Prophet something would happen and he would not be able to approach. So he realized, like, I'm trying to do it, but I'm being stopped. I'm being prevented from getting to him. I'm being prevented. So he realized that the Prophet was under some divine protection. Even though Suraka did not accept Islam yet at that point, he realized that this man, he's, he's something special. And he is under some type of divine protection. So Suraka ibn Malik, he gave up his idea of trying to capture the Prophet ﷺ. He gave up his idea of trying to get the prize. He said no. Rather, he asked the Prophet ﷺ, when you become powerful, I want safety. So can you just write me a promise of safety? That when you become in a position of power, I want to be safe. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered the guide who was with them. There, were, there was the Prophet ﷺ and Abu Bakr and they had a guide with them named Amir ibn Fuhira. So Amir ibn Fuhira, he wrote down this, this promise of safety. safety. The Prophet ﷺ dictated it to him and he wrote down this promise of safety for Suraqa ibn Malik. Suraqa ibn Malik, he kept that promise of safety with him and he, he actually had to use it eventually a few years later and he accepted Islam alhamdulillah anyways during that time the Prophet ﷺ gave this promise of safety to Suraqa ibn Malik and Suraqa promised the Prophet ﷺ that he will not tell the Quraysh anything about his whereabouts and the Prophet ﷺ said to Suraqa before he left before Suraqa left the Prophet ﷺ what did he say to him he said كَيْفَ أَنْتَ يَا سُرَاقَ وَفِي يَدَيْكَ سِوَارَيْ kisra." He said, how will you be on that day, Ya Suraqa, when on your hands are the bracelets of the Kisra? And Suraqa was shocked at this. The Kisra, the emperor of Persia, how am I going to have his, his bracelets? He was surprised at this. But the Prophet ﷺ said this to him very clearly. How will you be on that day when on your hands will be the bracelets of the Kisra. So the Prophet ﷺ, even during this time of difficulty, even during this time where he was expelled from his own city and he had to take refuge in another city, he was making this prophecy based on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had revealed to him. That yes, the Muslims one day, they will conquer the Persian Empire and they will take the jewels of the Kisra, the most powerful man in the world. So it just shows the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. So anyways, now... The time has come. Sa'ad and his army, they surrounded West Madain, the western part of the city, the West Madain. And the suburbs that were around the area of West Madain, they conquered all of those areas very easily. Right? And the people who were in the small suburbs around Madain, the Muslims did not kill them because they were non-combatants. They were not fighters. They were just farmers and, you know, simple people of the Persian population. So the Muslim army did not kill them. They said to them, either you pay the jizya to us, or if you choose, you can go into exile. You can just leave. And 
we will take these lands. In either case, we will take these lands, but you have a choice. You can stay here and pay jizya, or you can leave. So most of them actually chose to leave, but a few of them, they chose to stay there and pay the jizya. Alright, so now the Muslims, they surrounded West Madain. And Yazdajard, the Kisra, he ordered that all of the wealth and the treasure that was kept on the west side of Madain, that the Persians should move that to the east side of Madain. Go move it across the river and take all of this wealth and treasure and keep it on the east side of Madain. So they transported everything to the east and they themselves went to the east and they took all of the ships, the ships that were on the the banks of the western side of Madain, they made sure that they transferred all of those ships to the eastern side of Madain so that the Muslims would not have a way to cross the river. This was their strategy. So basically West Madain, the western side of the city, it was completely emptied out. So the people, they left and the Muslims, when they got to the city, they were able to easily take the city without any fighting because no one was there. So they basically came to an empty part of the city. Western Madain was completely evacuated. Everyone went to the east and took everything to the east. So when the Muslims came to the western side, they easily took that land and they conquered it. Alright. Now Yazdajard had also ordered that Persian soldiers or what was left of the Persian soldiers that they should keep guard on the eastern side of Madain so that the Muslims would not have an easy time infiltrating the eastern side. They have the western side but Yazdajard still wanted as much as possible to protect the eastern side. So now the Muslims, they need to cross to the eastern side. They need to get to East Madain. They have West Madain, now they need to get to East Madain, but they have to cross the river. They have to cross the Tigris River to get to the eastern side. Now how are they going to cross the river? The ships are all gone. Yazdajard had ordered all the ships that were kept on the coast of the western side of Madain, he ordered all of those ships to be moved to the eastern side. So now the Muslims, they're on the western side, but they have no boats, they have no ships that they can take to get to the eastern side. So how are they going to get across? So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he holds a meeting with his advisors and he says to them, we must get to the east side. It's very important, we have to get to the east side. So the soldiers, the army, the advisors, they told Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Ya Sa'ad, whatever you order, whatever you order, however you want us to get to the, to the eastern side, we will follow your command. Just tell us what to do and we are ready to do it. So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he said, okay, we need one group of soldiers, uh, a brave group of soldiers who can be our first line of defense. The Persians have kept soldiers on the eastern side of Madain. So it, we, need, we need some soldiers to be the first ones to go and confront those soldiers, to get across the river and confront, confront those soldiers and defeat them so that the rest of the army can follow. So we need one group who is going to be the first group to go, the first line of defense. So Asim ibn Amr al-Tamimi from Bani Tamim, one of the leaders of Bani Tamim, he volunteered for this with a group of 60 of his men from Bani Tamim. So they agreed to be the first group who is going to cross the river and take out the guards. Take out the guards on the other side. Okay, so now that's the first part of the plan. Now how to actually get across the river without boats? So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he starts examining the river, the different, different parts of the river. Which side or which area will be the easiest to cross? 
some parts of the river are very deep, some parts of the river are less deep. So he needed to find the best point of entry through the river. They have to cross the river. There's no way around the river. They have to cross the river, but some parts of the river may be easier to cross than other parts of the river. So they need to see the easiest point of entry. So Sa'ad, he starts examining the river and he found one part of this Tigris River that was less deep than other parts. It was still deep. It's not like it was shallow. It was still deep, but it was much less deep than some of the other parts of the river. So it was basically deep to the level that it would, it, if the horses went inside the river, it would reach the necks of the horses. Right? So can you imagine a horse like trying to swim in the water up to its neck? Very difficult. But still, that was the best part of the river that he could find as a point of, of entry. So he directed his army, Sa'ad he directed the Muslim army to that area, that this is going to be our point of entry. Now the Persians, who were on the other side, they were not expecting the Muslims to try to cross the river without boats. This thought didn't even cross their mind. There's no way they're going to cross with their horses and their camels and their soldiers and their supplies and equipment. They're going to cross the river like that without boats. The Persians were not expecting this type of thing at all. But that's exactly what they were going to do. So Sa'ad, he ordered the group that was led by Asim, this first group led by Asim ibn Amr al-Tamimi. He said, okay, you go into the river, you and your 60 men, you go into the river, get to the other side, and take out the soldiers so that you can provide security for the rest of the army to cross. So Asim ibn Amr and his group of 60 men, they go into the river. They go into the river. Some of them, they're swimming, and others are on horses. And the horses are barely able to keep their, their heads above the water. But they actually go into the river. They actually go into the river. Once they reach the other side of the river, the Persian army is surprised, is shocked at this, and they're caught off guard. And alhamdulillah, the Muslims are able to defeat those soldiers at the other end. They're able to defeat the Persian soldiers. And now they have provided protection for the rest of the army to come and cross the river. So Sa'ad says to his army, his huge army, he says to them, Let's cross now. Bismillah. Hasbunallah wa ni'mal wakil. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. That Allah is enough for us and He is our protector. And there is no power and there is no might except from Allah. Let us go. Bismillah. So they went into the river with their horses, with their camels. They actually went into the river. As they reached the middle of the river, the water actually started to rise a little bit. And some of the horses started having difficulty keeping their heads above the water. But Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he keeps making dua. This is the importance of making dua. He keeps making dua that, Ya Allah, allow us to reach the other side of the river. And Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, one of his virtues is that he was a man who was mustajab ad-dua. That any dua that Sa'ad would make, it would be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He had this quality, that he was mustajab ad-dua. So he made dua that, Ya Allah, allow our army to cross to the other side of the river. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never rejected any dua from Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. So this dua was accepted. Salman al-Farisi, radiallahu he was also there with Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas and he also made dua. He made dua and he said, Ama walladhi nafsu Salman biyadih layakhrujunna minhu afwajan kama dakhalu fihi. Salman radiallahu anhu, he said, I swear by the one in whose hand Salman's life is in, I swear by Allah 
that this army will get out of this river. It will exit from this river just as it came in this river. The army came inside of the river and it will also come out of the river on the other side. I swear by Allah that this will happen. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there are some people if they swear by Allah, if they make a dua swearing by Allah that this will happen. It's a dua but you swear by Allah in your dua. There are some people who can make this dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will, will never reject their dua. There are some people who have this status that they swear upon Allah, Ya Allah, I swear by you that you give us this Ya Allah and Allah will give it to you. Musulman al-Farisi, he made this type of dua. He said, I swear by Allah that just as this, this army entered this river, it will exit this river on the other side. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered that dua, the dua of Sa'ad and the dua of Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhumah. So alhamdulillah, the army of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, the Muslim army, they were able to cross the Tigris River and get to the eastern side, the eastern side of Madain. And not one single one of them drowned, alhamdulillah. It's an army of 30,000 people. And not one single one of them drowned crossing the river without boats. So this is a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The only incident that happened is that one man on a horse, one of the soldiers on the horse, he fell off his horse into the river. And this man didn't know how to swim. He didn't know how to swim. But Al-Qa'qa ibn Amr radiallahu an saw this happen and he quickly went and he saved that man from drowning. Alhamdulillah. So not a single casualty. Nobody died. And they all reached the other side, alhamdulillah. So now the Muslims, they have reached East Madain. They have crossed the Tigris River and they are on the eastern side of Madain where the palace, where the White House is, where the palace of the Kisra is. The news reached Yazdajar, the Kisra, that the Muslims have infiltrated, they have crossed the river, they have come into East Madain. So Yazdajar, he panics when he hears this news. He says, how is this possible? How did they reach here without any boats, without any means of transportation? How did they cross the river? So Yazdajar in a full panic, he fled from his palace. He abandoned his palace and he took whatever he could take from, with him. He couldn't take everything obviously, but whatever he could carry with him, whatever jewels he could carry with him, whatever treasures he could carry with him, he took as much as he could and he fled Madain. He fled his palace and he fled the city. He fled to Hulwan which is east of Baghdad. So the Muslim army now, they entered Madain. They entered East Madain without any resistance because the soldiers ran away and Yazdajar, the Kisra ran away. Everyone ran away. So now they're in East, east Madain, the capital, where the, house, where the house of the Kisra is, where his palace is. They reached East Madain and there's no resistance. There's no one to fight them. So eventually they reached the palace of the Kisra. They reached the White House the biggest palace in the world, the most beautiful palace in the world at this time. They reach there and they come and go inside and it's completely abandoned. No one is there. It's completely abandoned. But all of these jewels are there, beautiful rugs are there, all sorts of ornaments are there. Within the palace, there are gardens there. Amazing. The Muslims saw in this palace things that never even could have crossed their imagination. It was just mesmerizingly amazing, the palace of the Kisra. So Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, he enters the palace and he sees all of this beauty, all of these jewels, all of these riches, and no one is there. It's empty. 
So Sa'ad radiallahu anhu recites the verses from the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kam taraku min jannatin wa uyun wa zuru'in wa maqamin kareem wa na'matin kanu fiha fakihin kathalika wa awrathnaha qawman akhareen. These verses of the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed regarding Fir'aun and Bani Israel. That kam taraku min jannatin wa uyun. Fir'aun and his people, how much did they leave behind in terms of beautiful gardens and these beautiful water springs? And crops and agriculture and so many amazing, beautiful places that they had. And all of these comforts that they used to enjoy, they left it. The Fir'aun and his army, they left Egypt. They left all of that stuff. Just like that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed others to come and inherit it and take that from them. So this was revealed regarding Fir'aun and how Bani Israel inherited that. But the verses also apply to this situation that Sa'ad and the Muslims are in now. That these Persians, how much did they leave behind? They abandoned this place. And what did they leave behind? They left behind their gardens. They left behind their springs. They left behind their crops. They left behind these beautiful palaces and these other beautiful places. They left behind all of these comforts here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed another, another group of people to take that from them and inherit it from them. And that's the Muslims. The Muslims are now going to take all of this stuff. Alhamdulillah. So he recited these beautiful verses. كم تركوا من جنات وعيون وزروع ومقام كريم ونعمة كانوا فيها فاكهين كذلك وأورثناها قوما آخرين. He recited this and then he prayed two rakaat right there in the palace to thank Allah سبحانه وتعالى and he gathered the غنائم he gathered all of these spoils of war. Now the Muslims had been through many battles before. During the time of the Prophet ﷺ and during the time of Abu Bakr, they have been through many battles and they have collected spoils of war. But the spoils that they collected here in the palace of the Kisra was like nothing they had ever seen before. This was just on another level, the spoils that they collected here. So one-fifth of the spoils were sent back to Medina to Umar bin Khattab for the Baytul Mal, one-fifth, right? And the rest of the spoils were distributed amongst the soldiers. So they were divided into shares. Each horseman was given three shares and each foot soldier was given one share. Now in addition to the one-fifth that was sent to Umar bin al-Khattab for the Baytul Mal, in addition to that one-fifth, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas also sent some more to Umar bin al-Khattab. Some of the artifacts or the pieces that they found in that palace that could not be assigned any value. Basically, there were some things that were in that palace that you could say were priceless. They were priceless. So valuable that you can't even put a number on it, right? Included in, that, in, in those priceless items was the clothing of Kisra, the robe of the Kisra. His jewels, he had bracelets and jewels. His sword, his crown. You know, how, how do you put a value on these things? Also, he had a rug. He had a rug that was so huge and so intricately designed. 
so beautifully designed and embroidered. He had a rug that they saw that rug and they said, okay, this is, this is priceless. How can we put a value on this? That rug, it was 60 cubits by 60 cubits. And one cubit is about, about half a meter. So imagine this, 30 meters by 30 meters. How big is this rug? It's a rug that's 30 meters by 30 meters, right? And it is embroidered with jewels, with silver and with gold, and it is made out of silk. You know Persian rugs, even today, they're the best rugs in the world. Can you imagine that rug from that time? How big and beautiful and the embroidery and the fabric and the cloth, it was unlike anything they had ever seen before. Huge, made out of silk with beautiful designs, embroidered with jewels, jewelry, gold, silver. So Sa'ad said like, we can't put any value on this. So he consulted with, with his people and they decided to send that off to Umar bin Khattab as well and he will decide what to do with it. So these personal items of the Kisra, his jewels, his crown, uh, this rug, they were all sent back to Umar ibn al-Khattab to decide what to do with it. So when the rug reached Medina, the rug reached Umar ibn al-Khattab in Medina, he ordered for it to be cut up into pieces and the pieces would be distributed to the people of Medina. So he distributed those pieces to the people of Medina. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he received one of those pieces and he later on sold it. One piece, it was cut up into many pieces and distributed to the people of the city. Ali had one piece of that, his share, one piece. And he sold that one piece for 20,000 dinars. So how much do you think that rug was worth? Right? So basically priceless. Regarding the jewels of the Kisra that were presented to Umar bin Khattab, his crown, his bracelets, his jewels. When these jewels were presented in front of Umar radiallahu anhu, he gathered the people to come. He gathered the people to come. Then he called Suraqa ibn Malik. Remember Suraqa ibn Malik? What did the Prophet ﷺ say to him when he was making hijrah? كَيْفَ أَنْتَ يَا سُرَاقَ وَفِي يَدَيْكَ سِوَارَيْكِ سِرَا How will you be on that day, ya Suraqa, when on your hands are the bracelets of the Kisra? The two bracelets of the Kisra. So Umar he gathers the people, then he calls Suraqa. Suraqa ibn Malik, come. Come forward. So Suraqa comes up. And then Umar radiallahu anhu, he puts the bracelets of the Kisra on the hands, on the two hands of Suraqa ibn Malik. And then he tells Suraqa, Ya Suraqa, put your hands up in the air and walk amongst the people. Walk, let everybody see your hands. And tell them what the Prophet wasallam said to you on the day that he was making hijrah so many years ago. Tell them what the Prophet ﷺ said. So he raised his hands. Now the, the bracelets of Kisra are on his hands. He raises his hands. He walks amongst the people. And he says to them, قَالَ لِي حَبِيبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمْ لَمَّا تَبِعْتُهُ يَوْمَ الْهِجْرَةِ كَيْفَ أَنْتَ يَا سُرَاقَ وَفِي يَدَيْكَ سِوَارَيْ كِسْرَى He said, the Prophet, my beloved وسلم, the day that I followed him, when he was making hijrah, he said to me, how will you be on that day, Ya Suraqa, when on your hands are the bracelets of the Kisra? And then Umar radiallahu he said, Alhamdulillahilladhi salabahuma kisra wa albasahuma 
He said, Alhamdulillah, all praise is due to Allah who took these bracelets away from the Kisra and he gave them to a Bedouin from Bani Mudlij, Suraka ibn Malik. And then Umar ibn Khattab, he distributed the rest of those amazing jewels to the people. He distributed them to the people. So this is how the Muslims, Alhamdulillah, defeated the most powerful empire in the world. The Persian Empire under the watch of Umar ibn al-Khattab and this is all by the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the conclusion of the battle of al-Qadisiyah and the aftermath of that battle and inshallah next week we will continue with the seerah of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu.